No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where the Levites continue their congregational prayer by reciting Israel's history of God's faithfulness and their disobedience. Their purpose is to renew their covenant with the Lord. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Nehemiah chapter 9 on Simply the Bible. Did you like history in school? Well, history is not always the most popular subject, but there are certainly valuable lessons to learn from it. It was George Santayana who said, those who cannot learn from history are doomed to repeat it. And Aldous Huxley said that men do not learn very much from the lessons of history is the most important of all the lessons of history. Now, the Jews had returned to Jerusalem from Babylonian captivity about 90 years earlier. During that time, they had rebuilt the temple and the city walls. Now they were seeking to rebuild their spiritual lives as God's covenant people. During the week-long Feast of Tabernacles, they gathered in the open square to hear the law of God being read. Now the Levites led them in a congregational prayer with the purpose of renewing their covenant with the Lord. This is the longest prayer recorded in the Bible. We began it yesterday and will complete it today. In it, they rehearse their history as a nation. God had been faithful to Israel in every way, but they had not been faithful. We continue in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 13. You came down also on Mount Sinai and spoke with them from heaven and gave them just ordinances and true laws, good statutes and commandments. You made known to them your holy Sabbath and commanded them precepts, statutes, and laws by the hand of Moses, your servant. Israel was unlike any other nation that ever existed. For God came down from heaven and gave them such a just law with good commandments, such as the world had never known. He made known to them his holy Sabbath, which was forever to be kept by Israel as the sign of the covenant he made with them on Mount Sinai. Now, how much do we truly value God's laws? David wrote in Psalm 19, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. David had a love for the word of God, and we are wise to do the same. You gave them bread from heaven for their hunger and brought them water out of the rock for their thirst and told them to go in to possess the land which you had sworn to give them. God miraculously provided for them during their 40 years in the wilderness. But they and our fathers acted proudly, hardened their necks and did not heed your commandments. They refused to obey and they were not mindful of your wonders that you did among them but they hardened their necks. 
God had been faithful, but they had been unfaithful. Pride was at the root of their rebellion, as it always is. And in their rebellion, they appointed a leader to return to their bondage. But you are God, ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abundant in kindness, and did not forsake them, even when they made a molded calf for themselves and said, this is your God that brought you up out of Egypt and worked great provocations. So at Kadesh Barnea, because of their unbelief, they refused to go in and take possession of the promised land. Instead, they wanted to appoint a leader to return to Egypt. Now, previously at Mount Sinai, they had made a golden calf and worshipped it. God could have wiped them out. Instead, he forgave them. Why? Because he's ready to pardon. He's gracious, merciful, slow to anger, and abundant in kindness. Yet in your manifold mercies, you did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of the cloud did not depart from them by day to lead them on the road, nor the pillar of fire by night to show them light and the way they should go. You also gave your good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold your manna from their mouth and gave them water for their thirst. Forty years you sustained them in the wilderness and they lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out, and their feet did not swell. God led them in the wilderness for 40 years, providing for their every need. Moreover, you gave them kingdoms and nations and divided them into districts. So they took possession of the land of Sihon, the land of the king of Heshbon, and the land of Og, king of Bashan. You also multiplied their children as the stars of heaven and brought them into the land which you had told their fathers to go in and possess. So the people went in and possessed the land. You subdued before them the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, and gave them into their hands with their kings and the people of the land that they might do with them as they wished. And they took strong cities and a rich land and possessed houses full of all goods, cisterns already dug, vineyards, olive groves, and fruit trees in abundance. So they ate and were filled and grew fat, and delighted themselves in your great goodness. God had been abundantly generous to them. Now Joshua and the children of Israel conquered the Canaanite nations on the west side of the Jordan River. They inherited their cities, houses, wells, and farms. They ate, were satisfied, grew fat, and delighted themselves in the good things God had given them. But prosperity can be dangerous. Thomas Carlyle, the 19th century Scottish philosopher, said, For every 100 men who can stand adversity, there's only one who can stand prosperity. Nevertheless, they were disobedient and rebelled against you, cast your law behind their backs, and killed your prophets who testified against them to turn them to yourself. And they worked great provocations. Therefore, you delivered them into the hand of their enemies who oppressed them. And in the time of their trouble, when they cried to you, you heard from heaven. And according to your abundant mercies, you gave them deliverers 
who saved them from the hand of their enemies. But after they had rest, they again did evil before you. Therefore, you left them in the hand of their enemies so that they had dominion over them. Yet when they returned and cried out to you, you heard from heaven. And many times you delivered them according to your mercies and testified against them that you might bring them back to your law. Yet they acted proudly and did not heed your commandments, but sinned against your judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. And they shrugged their shoulders, stiffened their necks and would not hear. Yet for many years you had patience with them and testified against them by your spirit in your prophets. Yet they would not listen. Therefore you gave them into the hand of the peoples of the lands. Nevertheless, in your great mercy, you did not utterly consume them nor forsake them. For you are God, gracious and merciful. Now this really describes the period of the book of Judges where we see the cycle of disobedience, defeat by their enemies, desperation, God, please save us, you know, and then deliverance where God did bring them a deliverer. And that pattern was repeated seven times. God was patient with them because he loved them and wanted to bring them back to himself. You know, last year, my wife and I were able to go to Israel, and the highlight of the trip for us was going to the Western Wall, putting our hands there up against that wall where there were men on the one side of the wall, and over to the right were all of the women, and all of the prayer requests just tucked into the stones there on the wall. But as I was praying, they're just sensing God's amazing love for his people Israel and and all that he had brought them through and all that he desires still to do for his people. It was overwhelming. Now, therefore, our God, the great and mighty and awesome God who keeps covenant and mercy, do not let all the trouble seem small before you that has come upon us. Our kings and our princes, our priests and our prophets, our fathers and on all your people from the days of the kings of Assyria until this day. However, you are just in all that has befallen us. You have dealt faithfully, but we have done wickedly. Neither our kings nor our princes, our priests nor our fathers have kept your law, nor heeded your commandments and your testimonies with which you testified against them. For they have not served you in their kingdom, or in the many good things that you gave them, or in the large and rich land which you set before them. Nor did they turn from their wicked works. Here we are, servants today, and the land that you gave to our fathers to eat its fruit and its bounty. Here we are, servants in it, yet it yields much increase to the kings you have set over us because of our sins. Also, they have dominion over our bodies and our cattle at their pleasure, and we are in great distress. Now the children of Israel were back in Jerusalem. The temple and the walls were rebuilt. They were experiencing spiritual revival, yet they were under the burdensome yoke of Gentile kings. The Persian taxation was severe, and they were no longer a sovereign nation. They didn't want their troubles to seem insignificant to God. They wanted God to notice their suffering. They had been under Gentile rule since the days of Assyria, and it has continued that way even to the present day. 
the nations of the world still tell Israel what to do. They were under the yoke of foreign oppression. God had originally brought them into the land of milk and honey to enjoy its bounty, but now they were growing fruit to give to the Gentile kings who had dominion over their bodies, as the Egyptians did so long ago. They were in great distress because it seemed that there was no way out. So perhaps you're in great distress today. Maybe you are unhappy in your marriage. Maybe you or your loved ones have health problems. Maybe those close to you have abandoned the faith. Or maybe you're struggling financially. You look around and everyone else seems to have it better than you. You see no way out and no end to the suffering. Is there anything you can do? Well, what did they do? They said, because of all this, we make a sure covenant and write it. Our leaders, our Levites, and our priests seal it. They would renew their covenant with the Lord. They realized that God had been faithful, but they had been unfaithful. They were in this predicament because of choices they had made as a nation. They took ownership for it, but rather than wallowing in self-pity or despair, they decided to do something. They would renew their covenant with God and rededicate themselves to Him. They couldn't change the past, but they could change the present, and that would change their future. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. If you have questions or comments, please call or text us at 208-319-4860. That's 208-319-4860. Next time, we'll see where the Jews placed their seal on the covenant to separate themselves from the world and rededicate themselves to the Lord. It's a great lesson on how we revive our own hearts for God. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Nehemiah on Simply the Bible.